Lord, we pray that by your spirit, we will see Christ this evening. Amen. Uh, from what I know of, uh, quite a few of us here sitting in this room, um, like you first encountered this church simply by walking around in the neighborhood and you saw this white building. And you thought, wow, this building looks unique, a bit strange. It looks different from anything else around the neighborhood. And so, so you, you got this curiosity all intrigued. So you decided to maybe look up on the internet straight away. So S-J-D-H, Hempstead, and voila, you found lots and lots of information online. Uh, maybe on the Wikipedia, or maybe on St. John's own website. You thought, oh, okay. Uh, then you made up your mind and you decided to come inside this building just to have a look, to check this church out. Uh, maybe you were like me, shy and timid. I know many of you don't believe me, but that's true. Uh, so someone had to drag you inside this building, just you know, take you to this church, maybe some of the young, younger ones. Uh, never mind how you first came to this church. Somehow, you all decided to stay. Hey, hey, what a joy. And I wonder, what did you see when you stepped into this building? Or what were you expected to see? What were you expecting to see? And did what you see meet your expectations? Um, on a similar note, I wonder if your mate comes to you and asks you, hey, I want to see Jesus. Uh, I'm really keen to check this dude, Jesus, out. Uh, what would you do? How would you help your mate to see Jesus? Uh, last week, David explained to us how the whole world was coming to see Jesus. And many people wanted to see Jesus for different reasons. Some were curious because words spread uh, and they wanted to see this Jesus dude who raised a dead man and brought him back to life. Some were so excited thinking that Jesus was, was going to be their king, uh, their savior who, who had finally arrived to deliver them militarily and politically from, from uh, the oppressors of the Roman Empire. And maybe some others came to see Jesus for other reasons. Maybe their friends dragged them to see Jesus. But verse 20, um, there were some Greeks who came. Now this, this term Greek was widely used by the Jews at the time to refer to people of Greek language and culture. Because the whole Roman Empire had been Hellenized uh, or Greekified. Uh, everyone speaks Greek language. A bit, a bit like us today, uh, this term Westerners uh, is widely used, especially by non-Western countries, to describe us who speak English and who hold on to certain values. So those Greeks came to find Jesus. They went to Philip first. Philip probably didn't know what to do, so Philip went to Andrew, and they together went to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus! The Greeks want to see you. Then the most bizarre thing happened. 
Instead of going with Philip and Andrew straight away to meet those Greeks, Jesus turned it into another teaching opportunity. Those poor Greeks, they're waiting out there, wondering what took Andrew and Philip so long. And the author, John, didn't even bother telling us if they got to meet Jesus after all. Uh, John was more interested and he's more concerned about letting the readers of his gospel know that if people want to see Jesus, what exactly did Jesus want them to see or want them to know? So let's look at some of those things together. Firstly, Jesus wanted them to know that the hour has come for him to be glorified. Their request to visit Jesus triggered, triggered Jesus' response, um, triggered him to make an official announcement. The hour has come. Whatever this hour is about, it wasn't happening before, but it is happening now. The hour is a shorthand for all that's going to happen to Jesus, especially his death and his resurrection. Previously, Jesus told people about how he's on a suicide mission, how he's going to suffer and die, but he was never clear about when that's going to happen. Until now, he says, the hour, the appointed time has arrived for the Son of Man to be glorified. And let's unpack that. Jesus loves to refer to himself as the son of man. Later on in this passage, you, you saw people, how they asked, who, who is this son of man? So Jesus, the son of man, is his favorite title. Uh, this is a title which people around Jesus' time were all very familiar with. It's taken from the son of man described in the book of Daniel. Uh, let me read a little from Daniel chapter 7 for you. In my vision at the night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's another name of God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So when, when Jesus said that he's the son of man who will be glorified, make no mistake, people understood Jesus was equating himself to, to no other but the son of man. But on the other hand, this term also means a son of man. Uh, literally means like, is born of men, 100% human. Jesus came as one of us. Even though God himself, he is on this mission which suffering and dying is part of it, being son of man. In fact, Jesus himself dying is his chief means for him to be glorified. Then Jesus goes on to use uh, this agricultural language that everyone un understood to ex explain why he had to die. 
He says in verse 24 that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. When Jesus was, was around as a living human being, he was just one seed, one person, limited by his physical body of what he could do. As Jesus is glorified, died and, and raised, uh, his promised Holy Spirit then would come and live within everyone who believed him. Uh, that way Jesus can truly be with everyone who follows him. And through being with us and giving us his life, we too will bear fruit. Obviously, he was primarily referring to himself when he used this seed-dying metaphor. But this metaphor also has an implication for those who were willing to follow Jesus. You see, following Jesus means you are going towards where he is going. So if, if Jesus must suffer and die, those who follow behind Jesus must also brace themselves. It's very likely that they are also going to encounter suffering, facing life-threatening dangers, possibly even death. Therefore, when you are truly following Jesus, your love and devotion to him makes, makes it look, look like as if you are hating yourself. But when I say hating yourself, it doesn't mean that you go around whipping yourself like those middle-aged um, middle monks. Bad Aaron! Evil Aaron! How I hate my sinful self! Not, not like that. Uh, it's, it's common for the near ancient East culture to use this kind of comparative language simply to express that when you truly love something, and your love for anything else in comparison becomes like hating. It's just that. Nothing magical. Uh, so you see, anyone who loves his own life equals those who aren't following Jesus. Therefore, they don't have the life Jesus gives. So when they lose their own life, that's it. That's the end of it. But those who hate their own lives in this world, those who follow Jesus, um, gets life because they're getting the life Jesus gives. That's why Jesus also went on to say, if someone claims to be his servant, wherever Jesus goes, they will, of course, wholeheartedly follow because following Jesus is now their priority. Had they chosen to love their own lives, they wouldn't have followed Jesus. But because they chose to hate their own lives, they follow wherever Jesus goes and does whatever Jesus says. And Jesus tells us, God, the Father, will honor those who serve Jesus. And so, similarly, as we lay down ourselves like Jesus, like the kernels of wheat, our suffering and sacrifices for God, for God's kingdom, will also multiply like Jesus's. And on the contrary, when, when we isolate ourselves and never allow ourselves to fall on the ground, to get dirty, to die, to go through the germinating process, 
we remain as individual single grains. We never got to become a plant and never got to experience Jesus' power through us to produce any fruit. So those Greeks came to see Jesus, to seek Jesus' audience. Jesus' response was, you want to see me? Then open your eyes, see how I will be glorified. You need to see my suffering and my death. Secondly, Jesus wanted them to know now is time for judgment on this world. Judging from the end of verse 36, where Jesus left and hid himself from them, from the crowd back in verse 34, we can see that um, this, this, this whole teaching, this whole dialogue, was his last time speaking to the, to the world. It's the last time the world gets to hear Jesus' words directly from him. So maybe the Greeks got to see him after all, we don't know. Um, to see Jesus is to believe in him. And this would be the last chance because now is the time for judgment. You see, the hour that Jesus gets to be glorified is the time of the fundamental smashing of Satan's tyrannical reign on this world. Um, verse 31, he is dethroned, driven out, kicked out. Jesus is the one now sits on the throne. Satan, the prince of the world, has no power over all people who would come to follow Jesus. So the judgment has already started. Jesus demands people to make a decision now. However, verse 32, none of that would happen if Jesus was not lifted up. Uh, since Jesus was 100% sure that he was going to die, the kind of death he talked about, not being lifted up is not an option. Jesus told us back in John chapter 3 that he would be lifted up just like how Moses lifted up the snake. So the story of that snake was um, a long time ago when the Israelites were wandering in the desert. After they left Egypt, they were constantly complaining and grumbling against God. And as a judgment of their faithlessness, God sent venomous snakes to bite them. Obviously, if you get bitten by any venomous snake, you probably, probably would die um, unless you get some sort of antidote. Um, everyone grumbled against God, so everyone deserves to be bitten. Everyone deserves to die. So the Israelites cried out to God and expressed how sorry they were for their sins and then pleaded to have those snakes taken away from them. Um, interestingly enough, the Bible never told us anything about whether God had taken the snakes away or not. But presumably the snakes would continue to bite them uh, and those who complain and grumble will get bitten. But instead, instead of removing the snakes, 
God instructed Moses to take a pole and make a bronze snake, to put the snake on the pole, and then lift up the pole. Whoever's bitten can look at the pole and live. It was only fair that God's judgment was carried out because everyone has sinned. But at the same time, God was showing them grace. Everyone bit by the venomous snake would die. Yet anyone who just believed and looked to the snake pole would live. Or they could choose to ignore the snake and die. It's their choice. So Jesus wants people to see him lifted up. Why? To draw all people to himself. To offer everyone who's under the judgment an opportunity to choose life. Thirdly, Jesus wanted them to know, believe in the light, so that they may become children of light. Uh, Ruth, my, my wife, told me her story when she was studying Chinese language back in her student days. Um, she went on a holiday to Hong Kong with her Japanese friend, and they saw Jackie Chan. Oh, Jackie Chan. Uh, I'll just leave it to you, thanks. <laughs> uh, the famous action movie star you all have seen on, on the screen many, many times. Jackie Chan was surrounded by many fans. But they, Ruth and her friend, saw Jackie Chan from, from a distance. I wonder what exactly did Ruth see when she saw Jackie Chan. And then eight years ago, when I was meeting a student at a Starbucks in Headington, Oxford, uh, I saw David Cameron, the prime minister then, walked into the Starbucks um, with two of his bodyguards. Um, he went straight to the counter and ordered a cup of coffee. While waiting for his coffee, there were other customers who got so excited and went to shake hands with him, asked to take selfies with him. And I was like, big deal. And I sat there and I didn't bother to, to get up from my seat or try to, to make conversations or, or do anything about it. You might wonder what exactly did I see when I saw David Cameron. I got to see him so much closer than, than Ruth saw Jackie Chan. But then, you probably don't even care what, what, I, what I saw. Um, you could say, we got lucky. Ruth got to see Jackie Chan. I got to see David Cameron. But you see, Jesus did the total opposite. He came down to our world. He gave up his royal status. He approached us first on his own initiative. Unlike our encounters with Jackie Chan or David Cameron, you don't have to be lucky in order to, in order to bump into Jesus. And you don't need to pull some, some strings, for, like ask someone for a special favor or anything um, in order to get an appointment with Jesus. However, verse 35, Jesus said, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. But by this point, he didn't even argue who is the light. Because he, he made it so clear, he said it so many times, that he is the light. Jesus is the light. He came as light to this world. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And back to chapter 12, verse 36. Believe in the light, while you have the light, so that you may become children of God. You see, as children of light, we have the light with us the whole time. Darkness has no more power over us, and we can see where we are going. We get to walk in the light that will never fade, and no one can take that light away from you. But what Jesus said also serves as a warning. For now, it's not too late for anyone to come to Jesus and to believe in him. But there will come a time when it's too late. You see, if I wanted to get to know David Cameron, I've just lost my opportunity as soon as he walked out from that cafe. For those around Jesus, after Jesus left and hid himself from them, they lost their chance to see Jesus. Uh, the word to hide also means uh, to keep from, from being seen or to withdraw from someone's sight. So while the light, while Jesus will always shine, it doesn't mean anyone or everyone who, who always... Who, doesn't mean everyone will always see that light. Because in John chapter 3, uh, it says, there are people who loved darkness instead of light. There will come a time when the light will be hidden from them because they chose not to see the light. There came a time, I assume, uh, for the Israelites who might have chosen not to look at the snake pole, which was lifted up. And so the time came that they would have died and perished. So look to the light and believe in him while you still can. Finally, to, to wrap our time, wrap up our time together. If people say to you, show me Jesus, what would you do? Just like in the, in the past, people want to see Jesus for different reasons today. Maybe they're just curious. Maybe they saw someone's life changed because of encountering Jesus, and they want the same. Or maybe some had no desire to see Jesus at all until life hits them with tragedy. Then they desire a miracle from Jesus. Or maybe... Some got dragged over to see Jesus by someone else. But just remember, how people respond to Jesus is never our concern. Our job is to faithful, faithfully help pointing people to Jesus to see what Jesus wanted them to see. Firstly, tell them about the hour. Talk about how much Jesus loved us that he came to our place to die for our sins. Secondly, talk about Jesus being lifted up. It's time for judgment. And invite people to respond to him, to choose life. Thirdly, point them to the light. Help people to know that what will happen when they believe, when they become children of light. <clears throat> but also help them to know that 
there will come a time when it's when it'll be too late, too late. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our light and our salvation. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have glorified and through whom many seeds were produced, including each of us here. Would you help us to be like Jesus? Empower us with your Holy Spirit so that we can wholeheartedly follow Jesus and serve him. What an encouragement to hear from you that you would honor those who serve Jesus. Help us to continue to walk in the light as you are in the light. And help us also to be light to the world, pointing people to your son, Jesus Christ, so that they too can become children of light. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we pray. Amen. <clears throat>